Welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby. If you're brand new to this show, shows all about a little known card game called Magic: The Gathering. On today's episode, we brought on none other than the Commander Advisory Group's own Jim LePage. He, we came on and talked a hell of a lot about Magic, um, a lot about EDH, and a little known game called Legend of Zelda. Um, if you've noticed um, in my background, it's my wife got me the Master Sword. Hold on, hold on. I'm going to get this shit. I'm going to get this shit here. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right, so if you are watching or listening to this, I'm sorry you can't see this, but like, I, I'll, I'll get to the announcements and all that stuff, and we'll get to the interview with Jim in a second here, but look how badass the sword is. So the, the thing I want to showcase is look at the inscription. It's got the Triforce and a whole bunch of letters runes on it dude this thing sharp as hell i love this sword though holy shit like she went all out for me on getting me this like this is heavy as hell too like it's not a lot light replica or anything like that um oh shit i got i guess i'm gonna hold on to it because <laughs> i don't want to get up again but um anyways we talked a lot about legend of zelda too um, so look forward to that. But before we begin our interview here, if you want to help support the show, you can help support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash magicwithzubi. Uh, you can reach out to me via Twitter at magicwithzubi, on Instagram at magic underscore with underscore zubi, on TikTok at mtgzubi, and you can email me with any questions you may have at mtgzubi at gmail.com. We are always sponsored by the awesome, great, and amazing Cardsphere. Uh, Cardsphere is the place to buy, sell, and trade your magic singles and sealed product. And yeah, I think that about does it for all the announcements. So without further ado, please help me welcome Jim to the show. start again all right it's zuby here and i've got with me jim from the spike feeders and also from the commander advisory group um how you doing man i'm i'm doing great zuby how you doing oh i'm doing cannot wait so as as of this recording i'm only a couple days away from my two-week vacation and hype oh i cannot wait i'm gonna i've not only got my 12-hour edh stream coming up this saturday but also just gonna be hell of a lot of being lazy 12 hours is a lot have you ever done a 12 hour stream before no like the most i've done is like a five hour stream and that was like i was exhausted but was what like three games something like that probably three games i i find like at least with our content at least the quality drops off so much after game three when people start getting tired because magic's oh, yeah. hard you know? oh it, it like, is it is it's like i i you're just even when just scooping around, like it's hard. It's oh, mentally taxing. I can probably tell like towards the end of the day, I'm probably going to be playing all my simple EDH decks, like mm -hmm. the decks I yeah. don't have to think about. Like I'll yep. just <laughs> probably play a lot of tribal elves where I just yep. swing. You guys figure no, out the no math. Sequencing. <laughs> yeah. No sequencing. Turn it sideways. Let them sort it out. <laughs> yeah. The, the stack. I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so thanks for coming on, man. Um, so so we were briefly talking about all the awesomeness of magic twitter and um mm -hmm. ju just the overall discourse but um so, so this is going to come out like probably yeah this is going to come out like two weeks from now um as we're okay. recording so who knows what new discourse will pop up in, since then 
I think we could talk about it in generic terms and people would right. be like, wow, Zuby, you're on the ball with talking about the discourse today. Right. Right. It'll <laughs> probably it's always something, you know, it's always something it is. Oh my gosh. And it, it's, it's gotten to the point where I'm just like, I, I can't even keep up with it. Like, like the whole, like, like the whole Sheldon's article that came out, was it yesterday or was it, or the day Over before? Two. There were two. Well, well the, 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 his most recent one about the five yeah. things, um, that was on Monday. It was supposed yeah. to go out on Sunday, but it went out on Monday instead. Yeah. So, so that whole article, I thought it was really well, well written. Like it made a lot of sense. Um, but apparently there's been a lot of discourse over it and it's fun. I saw your tweet today and, um, like how you just need to step away from Twitter. And I briefly told you, like, I don't even know what the hell the discourse is a lot of times. Cause I don't, I guess I've muted or blocked people or just, I don't know. Yeah, you've, made, you've made good life choices is what you've done. I guess. Or, <laughs> or I just completely ignore it or I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting there myself. I want to be, I want to remain like available for people to talk to about this kind of stuff. But yeah. I think that it's not particularly productive for me, at least it may, may be for other people, but I don't get a lot out of it about, about arguing online. I'm like a recovering chronic online arguer. Um, oh, I know and it's easy mean. to get yeah. sucked into this stuff. Oh like, my gosh. Yesterday, yes. yesterday, it just killed my entire day. Like I got nothing done at work and like, it just killed my entire day. I just wasn't in a mood to do anything. And by eight o'clock in the evening, I'm just like, I'm beat. And then I played yeah. Link to the Past until 10 o'clock and then I passed out. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. We're going to definitely have to bring up Zelda because I don't know if you saw my tweet, but if you see behind me, my wife got me a Master Sword. Like, <gasps> like. Is that the, one of the replica ones? I, I don't. She she oh. got it from some like sword maker online, and it's like legit. It's heavy as fuck. It's. I think I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. One of my uh, YouTubers that I follow like did a review on it, and like, if it's the one I'm thinking about, it's nice. <laughs> it, it, it's super nice, and it's heavy. Like like it feels like oh shit, like I could train with this thing. <laughs> and, <laughs> but um, but we'll get into that. But um. As far as like the EDH discourse goes, so you primarily came on the scene with competitive EDH, um, correct? Yeah, kind of. Like, I would say that that's an accurate perception. If you were like an average person and said that, I, I would say, yeah, that's like a reasonable description. I would probably spin it a little bit and say that we kind of just played whatever we wanted. Um, like the, the origin behind my channel, or our channel, I should say, is that we wanted to show people that like the social side of the format didn't go away when you played more powerful decks because that was that was the discourse at the time was that you're either playing fun magic or you're playing cdh and it was this like dichotomy that i've never really believed in and so i wanted to show people well like that's not what my play group is like like we play all of these high powered decks but we have fun like we're we're laughing we're playing in my basement nobody's making the pro tour and like it's beer and pretzels in my basement too you yeah. know so what we wanted to show people like we started out doing 10 episode seasons and we would do um seven competitive episodes two casual episodes and then one like themed finale episode because that was about the split that we would play in our group we'd play a lot more high power stuff but then every once in a while we'd be like well let's just play the goofy stuff it's like you say at the end of your 10 hour stream yeah sometimes you're not up for that you know so we also kind of wanted to show people that you don't have to be one or the other, that you could be both, you know, that it, it's okay to enjoy both things. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. No. And, and you guys have definitely made a name for yourself. Um, well, you guys have been around for, is it two years now or three years? It'll be three years in August. 
I, uh, dang, time goes by fast. Yeah, I remember this because actually our first episode, I was recovering from open heart surgery. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> and like I was just, just out of the phase where I couldn't use my arms. So it was like as soon as I could shuffle my decks, we were talking about it while I was recovering and in hospital and everything. And uh, we were like planning out all the stuff for the channel. And then like the second that I could use my arms well enough to shuffle my decks, we were filming. And you can actually see in our first episode, I've got a scar from my heart surgery. That's like, I'll have... Actually, I think I'm wearing this shirt. <laughs> and you can see the top of my scar. <laughs> I'll have to check that out because, um, I, I mean, admittedly, I haven't seen a lot of your episodes. I know I saw like some of the first ones, but dude, it's like being, you probably understand this, being in the magic content game, you just can't get all the time to watch everyone else's stuff. It's, it's like impossible. It's magic. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I usually tell people like, I don't have time to play magic. I got to make content about magic. Right. You know? Yeah. I feel like I play more D&D nowadays than actual magic. And it's it's like I don't even make D&D content. Once in a while, I'll try to do so. But I've seen it, your D&D stream with Pixie. And uh, you guys were doing the Ravnica one, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the 10 Street Hooligans. Yeah, um, that was fun. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I friggin' loved it. But um, it, it's I don't know if I would ever do a and d stream again. It was just... It was very nerve-wracking. Mm. Just... just, just because it's it's nerve-wracking in the fact that you have to be entertaining while dming and all that Ugh. and it's and it's hard because it's not that i'm not entertaining it's also you know i've got five million other things i gotta worry about too like the rules and make sure the plot's progressing and all that stuff and no one wants Zuby, to watch you're... you know 10 15 minutes of people looking up rules Zuby, <laughs> you are speaking to my soul right now yeah um, because I'll tell you, the CDH community is nothing if not sticklers for the rules. And um, we've frequently had situations where we're like, oh no, I don't know how this interacts. And then we like go and we cut and we Google something for like 20 oh, minutes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and we're trying yeah. to figure out a ruling on card interactions or whatever. And then we come back like nothing happened. But meanwhile, 20 minutes has passed. <laughs> oh, dude, that's happened so many times. Like, like the past year that I started streaming EDH because thank God for spell table and all that. Um, it's, uh, you get those people just on the rules and, or, or just the stupid weird interactions that happen. You're just like, I don't know how this fucking works. And it's like, hell, I learned a lot the past year just in little rules. And I've been playing magic for a long ass time. And I, and it, it still don't know everything about it. I remember we, um, uh, just thinking back to like games of D&D that I've played <laughs> I remember one particular conversation with our, our DM um, where we got into an argument about whether it made sense for um, like impact damage running into something you know when it was a wall it's based on like the speed or whatever but when mm -hmm. it's like another larger creature it's based on the HP of the larger creature and it scales that way so this was like an earlier version of D and D, yeah. so it got to the point where if you ran into a large creature, depending on how fast you're running, you could just die. <laughs> and I'm wow. like, I'm pretty sure I couldn't run into a wall fast enough to die. I don't think I. That's in my toolbox, you know. And we had like an hour long conversation about this. We're pulling up velocity oh, calculator. Oh, I've, I've I've done similar stuff where <laughs> it, it's uh, in the campaign that we just finished. Um, we I had them do this boss fight, right? They, they were in hell and they had to fight this evil drow queen. And um, they she was flying up in the air 
and, and she was a relative and the way I described her, she was relatively small, you know, like she was still humanoid size, but pretty small. And so she was flying up in the air and the paladin cast banishment successfully banished her because I burned out all my legendary resistances and I rolled like a nat one on the wisdom save. Cool. Um, yeah. And so she's banished, right? So then the paladin had this idea. All right, I want to put the bag of holding beneath her and oh. open it up wide enough so she'd fall in. So, <laughs> so so the whole ruling was I was going to allow it, but should I allow her to use gate to get out of the bag of holding? And so then oh. the whole ruling became, and it took like, it was like a one hour debate of just yeah. like, if I allow it, then the, the players are allowed to teleport in and out of bags of holding. So then they mm -hmm. could use that. So I'm like, I had to rule like she dies. That, that's yeah. it she can't get out uh, unless like, unless divine intervention and that kind of stuff is totally fine when you're playing at that kitchen table or whatever yeah. but like it's oh. not entertaining for a viewer right oh like, oh if that was on stream they'd be like what no oh. that can't happen it's a i'm like like trust me yeah. i i we googled the hell out of like what is actually the dimension yeah, space like, inside a it, bag of holding yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, like is it an alternate universe is yeah it like is it like an area of this of, of time space where physics happens differently or yeah whatever, oh know? oh yeah we, we, I, I went deep into it like like even looking at other games like pathfinder like how did they describe yeah. bag of holding and all that stuff just everything oh, i found funny. like if i allowed them to teleport in and out then they could be fighting a boss and then the wizard be like i'm gonna teleport into my bag of holding <laughs> yeah true enough True yeah, enough. You so, kind of got to think about the downstream impacts of that kind of a decision, like beyond just the 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 here and now, right? Yeah, and, and then yeah, plus, and, and that brings it full circle to like what you guys have to deal with on the CAG and even the RC, where it, it's we were just saying um right before we recorded, like you guys got to be careful, like especially if you mention a card, right? Like, let's say you're looking at the card, I don't know, um. What's like the worst card you can imagine? Like Cauldron Familiar, right? Let's say you guys yeah. are saying like, oh, we're looking at Cauldron Familiar because it's too many people are playing it. And, you know, <laughs> it's well, like I've, I talk about sometimes <laughs> it's like half meme and half not. I talk about divine intervention a fair bit. It's it's an eight mana sorcery from Legends, Legends, I think. And um it's it's like it enters the battlefield with a couple counters you remove a counter on upkeep and then when the last counter gets removed you uh the game's a draw oh and, uh, yeah yeah i know i know that card yeah i personally i hate this card and it's it's not even that like i hate this card it's that i hate the type of person that trolls people using cards like this you know it's just not <laughs> the type of magic i want to be involved in yeah you know it's like the same type of player that plays like chaos for the sake of chaos and like I just want to see how screwed up I can make this game. I'm going to play my naked singularity and like screw up everybody's mana sources and stuff like that. And it's like, you know what? Some people get a lot of enjoyment out of that. It is so not for me. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. sometimes my meme answer when people ask me what card I want to ban because nobody, a lot of people haven't heard of it and it's an eight mana enchantment. That's like 180 bucks or something like that. Well, hey, ramp that is real. Nobody plays ramp. That is nobody real. plays. Yeah, no, I, I know. I know. But, but it's like, it, it's, you guys got to be careful, like just mentioning anything, I, I would assume, because it could either skyrocket the price. It could, I don't know, not only cause a lot of discourse, but also mm -hmm. just, I don't know. It, it's like, how, how do you guys deal with that? Like, 
I, I assume that when you guys are meeting, you guys are talking about cards and all that stuff. It is there a process? Is that more relegated to the RC where they would have to be the ones to pick which cards everyone's talking about to like bring to the forefront? No, not at all. Actually, um, we have so the the format is a little bit looser, and, and this is a relatively recent change, like probably since I came on, uh, which was in January of this year. And really, um, it's only been j- January. Thought it was longer. Six months. It feels way longer. Months. Holy crap! I've been I've been talking to <laughs> Sheldon and a couple of the other people on the keg, like in a in a quasi advisory role, just not in like an official capacity for probably okay. about a year and a half now. Um, but like officially it's been January of this year. Oh, I, I, I could have um, swore it was longer. I, uh, yeah, like it used to be, I think a more formal thing where it was like once a quarter, there would be a formal meeting, there'd be an agenda yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Um, now we have, uh, like a free form ongoing chat among the 10 members of the CAG and the four members of the rules committee. And it's like, if somebody wants to bring something up, they can. So like, you know, when, um, when uh what's the most recent set uh, modern that, horizons 2 yeah um when that was getting previewed like when they previewed grist i just screen capped grist and i tossed it in the chat and i'm like how does this work man <laughs> <You know? laughs> like immediately i'm like this is going to be a problem we need to we need to make a comment about this you know oh yeah dang and so it's it's that kind of thing where it's like something comes up or like something comes up in the discourse or whatever if we want the group to see or discuss it then we'll toss it in the chat and say, hey, what does everybody think about this? Um, usually, if it's something like that Grist one, I'll like at Charlotte and Toby because they're the best rules people in, mm-hmm. the, in the room and be like, um, let's talk rules, you know? Um, if it's something else, then it might be somebody else that I get involved in that kind of thing if I'm the one initiating that conversation. But it's an ongoing thing. And so one of the things we're trying to do, especially going into, we're coming up to a quarterly one at the end of this month, but one of the things that we're trying to do is spend less time talking and debating during the actual quarterly meeting um, and use it just sort of as a general check-in, but hashing out the real like nuts and bolts of everything in between meetings so that it's not time-bound. You know? Because like if, if a conversation over color identity or whatever is going to take two days, then it's going to take two days, and we don't want to confine it to the two and a half hours or whatever that we spend once a quarter together. Okay. And, and what are sort of the, some of the things that do get discussed? Is it is it the discourse that gets talked about? Is it the certain cards you all are looking at? Or, or what exactly happens in those? Well, I can tell you that like there's a lot of individual cards that get discussed. And honestly, if I gave you a list, like I'm not going to give you a list, but if I well, gave yeah, you a yeah, list, that's fine. I don't think I don't think any of them would surprise you, you know? Yeah. And that's not to say that like they're seriously considered for a ban. They're just ones that people talk about, you know? Mm-hmm. So they want to get our thoughts on it. Because our role on the keg is not necessarily just to funnel the information from the community to the rules committee. Like we're not we're not just a funnel like that, right? Yeah. It's to say, this is what people are talking about, and then this is my take on it, you know? So like I'm I'm listening to people's opinions. I've formed my own and it's an informed opinion that's what they want from us you know um it's that like critical analysis piece yeah of like what would happen like you say like what are the downstream impacts like is this going to force us to do something later down the road what is that is it going to you know cause problems with one corner of the community or another if so what does that look like and is it worth it um 
since I've come on, like since I came on in the middle of quarantine, um, like it's still not open up here. Like we're, I'm not even allowed to have people over in my house right now. Oh, wow. Um, like even though I'm fully vaccinated, like as of Monday. Oh, nice. Um, Congrats. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited about it, <laughs> but it's still very much a lockdown here. Things are real bad in Manitoba, but, um, because I got added on in the middle of quarantine, I've kind of been hedging all of my advice saying like, it's tough for me to know right now whether the online discourse is reflected in, in, I'm going to put this delicately, well, I'm not going to put it delicately. I'm going to say like in real life, <laughs> you know, because the online community sure is something, but it's not always tethered to what the bulk of commander players think, you know? Um, and, and I'll give you a quick example here. I can tell you that when uh, the Walking Dead Secret Layers were previewed in the fall, 95% of uh, people on, particularly on like Reddit and Twitter, responded to a straw poll. And there was like 30,000 people that responded saying mm -hmm. like, this is going to be the death of the <clears throat> format. I'm severely and adamantly against this. I'm going to quit EDH over this. Like that was the the magnitude of the reaction. Um, to give myself a little bit of a reality check, I tend to ask people in my social circle that are not particularly plugged into the online discourse. Yep. Um, and say like, what do you think about this? And I don't take it as like gospel or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. That's that's not like the average, you know, casual player out there. But I like to get somebody that hasn't been whipped into a frenzy by these echo chambers to say like just what's your what's your gut feeling on this you know and i brought it to like three of my casual play groups probably 15 20 people that are generally not plugged in and yeah. they were like it's fine i'm not gonna buy it but i don't really care you know oh, they, dude, they were like yeah they were just the exact most lukewarm, sentiment. indifferent yeah. direct reactions you know yeah i, I i've got a few uh friends that I, I used to play a lot more EDH with, you know, before the whole quarantine and all that, um, and ask them same thing. Like someone just said, cool, I can't wait to buy it or, oh, okay. Just shrug. Like, yeah, cool. Yeah. I guess. Cause for a lot of people, like they're not even out there buying every set. So like, what's, yeah. what's one more set that they're not going to buy, you know? Yeah. It doesn't really affect you. <laughs> and and, so, and like, as good as the yeah. cards are, they're not like, they're not completely must haves. You know, they're, yeah. they're not, they're not format breaking. They're not. They're yeah. So like, I don't know. I like to give myself a reality check sometimes just to, just to be like, Hey, just what's your gut reaction. Don't go look it up. Don't Google it or whatever. I'm going to show you this card. What do you think? You know? And, um, that generally puts me on a pretty good path or at least helps to put the online discourse in context, you know? Cause I mm -hmm. think with something like that, the polarization that exists in the community means that the people that have a negative reaction have an extremely severe negative reaction and they're very vocal about it. And the people that are indifferent or even positive about some of these changes, like the IP crossovers and stuff like that, they're just not moved to argue with people online about it. Like, if I like the Walking Dead thing, why would I subject myself to being berated on Reddit if it's obvious that they hate it? You know? Yeah, right. Yeah. And so as a result, my voice is not really represented if I'm the person that likes it, you know? So it, it can be kind of tough because we don't really have any good ways of like collecting hard data about it. And a lot of people assume that any data that they can collect is better than no data. And, and being a data guy, I can tell you that that's not a thing. Oh, really? Know? 
like if you if you go and pull like you know 100% of the people in my basement are drinking a beer right now but what does that say about the people in my neighborhood you know yeah it says nothing right so yeah it's interesting it's interesting it's also something that i've noticed um as i've tried to branch out on my content like especially social media content is just how vastly different the magic communities are like you compare magic communities on twitter and to like the most popular magic groups on facebook like night and day difference and just terms of how people react and treat each other i mean not saying facebook is better than twitter but just the the discourse there is way different a lot of times it's a lot of sexist and misogynist shit (laughs) <laughs> but um it, it's um it, it, and same goes for like instagram and tiktok as well too it's it's vastly yeah. different um oh it's way different i've met yeah. some people on tiktok and they actually rock yeah um like i've reached out to a couple i don't know if you know beck uh, yeah yeah girl. yeah mtg girl yeah yeah i met beck on tiktok i was just like she came up on my for you page and i was just like oh that was funny and i commented on there i'm like oh that's kind of cool and she's like yeah i play commander and i'm like oh cool what do you play and all that kind of stuff and we got yeah. to talking and then, yeah that's uh, how i met uh like, do, do you know soul ring girl yes yeah, yeah that's she's how from, i met her she's too. from maritimes canada she's so oh cool. okay yeah yeah she, she was really cool too that's i met her on there and then um there's a few others I'd, I'd have to look them up but it's um yeah there's like t1 thoughtsies uh nathan jones like the hermit druid he's on there yeah um the tiktok community is like actually pretty funny um it's it's like a lot of pack cracking and then a lot mm-hmm. of like um hey it's like short observational bits kind of like the the comedy stuff that pixie does yeah um it's it's like that you know i know I've, tr- like, I've tried telling her like she'd be perfect for it but oh pixie would be great on tiktok she she, she doesn't want to do it i've tried i've tried to like come on do it and she's like no i'm like mm. she's millennial like us <laughs> right right god it's yeah. it's like well we're like at the the tail end of the millennial yeah like we're elder, we're, elder millennials or, or boomer millennials i don't know yeah. <laughs> we're uh we're, we're causing the downfall of we're we're gonna be the generation that that's like the boomers how they're fucking everything up we're gonna be oh, yeah. that, that's gonna be our generation one day oh yeah just hoard wealth yeah <laughs> do nothing <laughs> yeah. pretty much like we're what is it millennials aren't buying houses we're, we're mm-hmm. screwing up the housing market uh mm-hmm. the, the avocado toast and whatever the hell else i don't know oh how good is avocado toast though like real talk Dude, it can be real for a second um <laughs> i don't know if i've ever actually had it I don't what? think I don't think I've ever had avocado toast. That's I, I, be the I, hook for this for this podcast is going to be you saying I don't think I've ever had avocado toast. I mean, I like avocados, but I mean, like I'm not like a huge fan of avocados, right? Like they're good, but I don't go out of my way to eat them. Sort of like bacon. Like as I've gotten older, I'm I like bacon less and less as I get older. And you know what's you know what's good with bacon? Avocados. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Like I've I've had you know bacon avocado stuff before, mm-hmm. but. Um, I, I just don't know if I've ever had just like plain avocado toast though. Hmm. I think about it. Hmm. Well, that'll but, be your homework, your takeaway from tonight's session. Right. Right. I have to, have to do it somewhere. Um, but, um, oh gosh, where were we going with this? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah just the online communities are different. And then there's Reddit. Um, though I don't, I don't go on Reddit as much as I used to. Like, Neither do I, it's, um, I, I, 
I, I think what I visit Reddit the most for nowadays is more D&D stuff than actual magic stuff. But even the D&D discourse is starting to get old, too, because, God, the discourse for D&D just gets tiresome. It's how can we fix really? fifth edition? Oh. Like, what? why doesn't Wizards do XYZ with fifth edition? I'm like, oh, my God, shut up. Mm. <laughs> it's like it's even better when they're relatively uninformed takes too like yeah <sighs> oh god and, and then like the, the 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 biggest discourse that i've seen just in the rpg community was some D content creator made a video about how pathfinder 2e is dying or something and the whole pathfinder mm. community went up in arms and made all these yeah. reactionary videos and i'm all like who cares like who? i know it's it's like I, I see it in magic too there's this like commodification of outrage right and you can see certain creators do it i'm not going to name names but oh yeah no um, i know who you're talking about yeah but I mean, <laughs> you, you, you can you, you know you yeah you can yeah. find them if you look um but they're the ones with the like the most provocative titles and a lot of the time it works out for them because that's how social media works and whatnot and engagement yeah. is engagement whether whether you're making people angry or making people happy and um yeah i don't know i i do my best to to not play into that um Some, sometimes it's, it's hard. incredibly destructive it's, Let, it's really destructive i think but it's oh, yeah. hard right like sometimes it's hard like you'll and, and like i said it's easy to ignore most of the discourse but then there's something that just hits you and you're and you're just like ooh, what's going on you just gotta like start looking you're yeah. just and it's I don't know. I think like we as humans, we're just naturally curious as to like yep. what drama is happening, you know, yep. and just it's even worse when it's about you. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Like, have you ever heard that phrase? Like Twitter has a main character every day and the the um, goal is to never be the main character. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I've heard that. It's it, it's I'm, I'm kind of glad like I haven't been the main character. There was yeah. only like the one time a couple years ago, their professor and I got into a little tiff like four yeah i guess it'd be about four years ago mm -hmm. and um it, it was something over something really dumb we hashed it out afterwards and all mm -hmm. that but um it was like but i i, I can't imagine like experiencing it on the scale like maybe like you shivam and other people like sheldon especially god i don't know, I don't know how that man does it <laughs> i i'm gonna be honest with you because like i get some of it but nowhere near on the scale like there are there are not 600 comment threads on reddit calling me an idiot you know like um, i i know there's how many people on the rc yet he is like the main four. one yeah yeah there's four yeah. and he's like the main one that everyone looks to that he's the godfather of the format and yep. and the way he carries that mantle is just i couldn't do it mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. just because no matter what you say or do, it, it's just like being in politics. It's like no matter yep. what you say or do, you're wrong. Well, and so let me let me give you a little bit of insight into what I, I go through in an average yeah, day when sure. I'm talking to people about the format. One of the toughest things for me is um, that you often get groups of people asking you for the polar opposite thing and and often the opposite thing is exclusive of the other thing right so like one group wants you to ban hall breacher and the other group doesn't want you to ban hall breacher because they love it right mm -hmm. so you've got two groups of people coming to you saying please do this and then you've got another group saying don't do this and so like it can be pretty tough because they can both make pretty compelling arguments um and a lot of the time they don't realize like and again this kind of plays into social media but you know often people will talk to other people because because we kind of self-select into our own play groups 
people tend to talk to people that are very similar to them most often about magic, right? Mm -hmm. Like the people that I talk to the most often are the other spike feeders. There's six of us. We tend to skew a little bit more powerful. We've got our own unique take on the format, right? But that shapes my um, my view of the format. And, and I have to be really careful to not project that on the format as a whole and, you know, assume that my opinion is the prevailing opinion, yeah. you know? Because it might be, but it's probably not. Um, yeah, so it, it's kind of tough because when people come to me, they'll say, like, you know, everybody hates Hullbreacher and it should be banned. And I'm like, well, that's that's not true, but nobody wants to hear that, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it might be true that a lot of people hate Hullbreacher, and it might be true that you talk to a lot of people that hate Hullbreacher, but that's not the whole story. Um, like, I've, I've honestly, I'm going to be honest with you, I've had people contact me to ask me to unban uh the the moxen only not black lotus not time walk oh, not oh, oh, any oh. of the other power nine just yeah, the yeah, moxen. yeah um which i don't personally agree with but like for every possible position that you could possibly take on the format there is somebody that wants that to happen you know and it can be really overwhelming so yeah i don't know it's it's a tough position to be in but you know, you just kind of got to hash it out as best you can. Yeah, it's like, I, I honestly don't know how you guys do it just every day. It's like, I, I can make the dumbest tweet about Commander, you know, and get like maybe one person say something. And you can make the same dumb tweet and, oh, oh God, <laughs> the shitstorm well, that would ensue. And the funny thing about that is, like, I'm pretty sure that the stuff that Sheldon says that that's, you know, stirs up a shitstorm. I could tweet the same thing and nothing would happen <laughs> because different people like the the things that I say bring with them a different set of baggage than the things that he says, right? Yeah. Um. So you know, people tend to read stuff into what he says, and they'll you know, it'll be colored by their past experiences, and that's natural because we're all human. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, if I were to say something like that, and it weren't, it wasn't colored by all the things in the history of the format that Sheldon's ever said, that it might seem a little more innocuous, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, social media has definitely given us a really weird way to focus on things obsessively, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's I, I've noticed that it's like, I don't know, it, I don't know, because it, it's I, I feel like as I've, especially the past year, and this is something that Pixie and I have talked about a lot on normies and just just even privately where, you know, a couple years ago, you could say like, I was super obsessed with magic, like I know everything about set coming out, all this stuff, but as I've started to get older, it's even though I still follow like when sets come out and you know, the sort of quote unquote meta of EDH and all that stuff, I'm not obsessively following it. Like I used to like, especially like modern horizons two just came out. I have, I still don't know all the cards in it. I, I can name like one off the top of my head Academy manufacturer. Cause it's badass and I love it. Cause I, I bought three singles of it. <laughs> um, but as far as like what else is good in commander, I don't know. I I don't follow that, and I've just noticed. And maybe that's a healthier way to look at the game nowadays, where I'm just not obsessing over it like I used to. I think to. it is. 
I, I think like I'm I'm doing a lot of the same thing, and you know I know you said we're going to talk on about Legend of Zelda. A oh, oh bit, we I definitely are. Your, I think <laughs> I think diversifying your hobbies is a really healthy thing, and and the other thing is that like it, it, this ties into what you mentioned earlier about um, you know I don't see it on my feed. Um, having more than one thing on your feed is helpful because it tends to like temper the severity of the reaction, right? So like say today's discourse, whatever it was, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you only follow magic people, that's the only thing on your feed, right? Yeah. And that, that again, plays into the idea that that is the prevailing opinion when it's not really, it's the prevailing opinion of the people that you follow on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you follow like local news agencies and your local government and like yep. uh, two or three other hobbies that you're into, magic is now 10% of your feed. And when there's a severe reaction to something, it's 10% of your feed. And it doesn't like elicit that reaction from you where you're like, I have to weigh in on this, you know? Oh, yeah. Like um, I, I've had to do that the past couple of years because like we said earlier, it, it, I used to be bad about like just getting heated up and. I mean, it would take everything in me not to just start shit online, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think that's a really, really healthy thing, especially to talk. Like actually, Sheldon and I were talking about this on Monday because we were talking about podcasts and um, like not magic podcasts. Yeah, and uh, he's like, "This is good. I'm looking for like other things to do right now." <laughs> <laughs> well, we, like, I don't blame you. Yeah, I mean, shit. I I, I wish I had more time in the day to to focus on magic content because i don't want to just do like i love my podcast right it's my favorite thing that i do and doing normies with pixie but i want to stream more but it's like fuck, i don't have the time and i'll get burned out and all that stuff but um it, it's you know i'm certain to do some D, D content it's more i'm working on trying to write uh, uh my first adventure module that i want to get published so and that's been a lot of fun it's fucking hard it's it's not just yeah. like writing a little book. No, you got to like write mechanics and stuff. And yeah, you know, and, and and this is and it's weird coming from someone like me who I never ever run adventure modules. I I only read them for ideas. Yeah. So yeah, but, but I think like the, so the other the other thing and this this kind of plays into that too is like having things to do that are offline. Like I I honestly believe that. The discourse has been worse during the pandemic because yeah. people are not playing magic. And the time that they're not playing magic, they're talking about magic, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that this might start to get a little bit better. At least that's my hope. As people actually get out and start playing magic again and, like, remember what they love about the game and not just what they hate about the game, you know? I've definitely felt like that. Like, I, I wish we could do this, but I can't because I can't have people over. But, you know, once everybody's vaccinated and stuff like that... I just want to have people over, like, not film content or anything like that. I just want to, like, have a barbecue and play some board games and, like... Hell yeah. Just, like, enjoy people's company and not talk about anything to do with, like, the things that stress us out, mm -hmm. you know? I think that that's going to be a really cathartic experience for me, and I'm hoping that as the world is opening up that other people are going through that as well, and I'm hoping it's going to be beneficial for their mental health. Because I think... Yeah. I see a lot of, like, pain and a lot of loneliness and stuff like that, like people react more severely when they're when they're hurting and when they feel lonely mm -hmm. and i think there's a lot of that right now yeah oh oh yeah I, i've seen that in some of the comments i've gotten <laughs> but mm -hmm. um so, so let's move on to something a little bit more exciting uh let's talk about legend of zelda um yeah my favorite game series probably of all time um Me too so so 
first question. Always got to ask, what's your favorite Legend of Zelda game? Ocarina of Time. Ocarina of Time? Um, oh, that was yeah. such a good game. Yeah. So I, I, I would say I might have a different answer if I had grown up at a different time. But I never played Wind Waker when I was a kid because it came out when I was 16 and I was too mm -hmm. cool for this like cartoony kids looking game. Oh, I, I know exactly what you mean. I like I, 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 common I, attitude at the time, right? Oh, like, yeah. I, I, I didn't that? I didn't like it when I when I when because I was how old are you? How old are you? I'm 35. 35. OK, so, yeah, I'm going to be 35 in August. So, yeah, we, I guess yeah. I was like the same age when it came out. Um, yeah, it came out in 2002. So, yeah. And but it, I see a lot of people talking about it now saying like it's one of the best Zelda games of all time and all this kind of stuff you, and I'm like you, man I never you, played it you know what gets me is how Majora's Mask is like one of the most beloved Zeldas when at the mm -hmm. time it came out everyone fucking hated it because it was an Ocarina yeah. of Time like yeah it, well, it was like it was like it's kind of uncanny valley where it was like close enough to being Ocarina of Time yeah. that it was like oh it uses all the same models and everything like that but like you're playing it you're like wow this is not Ocarina of Time like and, I, I only ever played it once as a kid. I beat it completely, and I've never played it since then. And so I've never played it all the way through. So I, I didn't play it when I was a kid, um, because I owned Ocarina of Time and I rented Majora's Mask and I played it for like a week or whatever, and then I gave it back and I never played it again. <laughs> um, but I got it on an emulator um, last year. And I would say I'm probably about halfway through it, but I haven't picked it up in like, it, it's not as compelling to me as Ocarina of Time, the story. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. The more the more that I like play Ocarina of Time and the more I like read about it and watch content about it, I'm like, man, this game was a masterpiece. Like it actually was a masterpiece. so good. It was so good. Um, It, it was like, and, and it was that whole period of time where, you know, games were going to 3D for the first time. Like, like Super Mario 64 blew my mind as a kid. Did you know? Oh, cool Zelda what? fact. Did you know that uh, Super Mario 64 and uh, Ocarina of Time are built on the same engine? And oh, I didn't originally, know that. Originally N64K. So there's a couple things. Ganon's Castle and the, uh, like, Princess Peach's Castle, mm -hmm. uh, they were both originally going to be hub world universes where oh. um like you jump through paintings and that's yeah. why in the forest temple when you're fighting fighting phantom ganon he's coming out of paintings that's the same oh. same stuff as super mario 64 oh wow, i didn't know there that. was going to be there was going to be a horse riding mechanic for long traveling long distances in super mario 64 and they axed it oh wow i didn't know that that's it's crazy. a cool thing that, yeah. that, that 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 is cool that, that it kind of makes sense um but yeah like dude that that Ocarina of Time just blew my mind as a kid, and but I wouldn't say it's my favorite Zelda though. Link's Awakening has been my favorite Zelda through and through throughout the years. After e even all the new ones that have come out, it's because it, it was you know the first Game Boy one, and for a Game Boy game, it was massive. It's a massive oh, yeah. game, and the fact like even the story is really good in that game too. Um, yep. It's kind of like really philosophically kind of messed up like hey you beat the game everyone's dead <laughs> you sort of kill yeah. everyone well that's like zelda games just in general are kind of dark like that right like, yeah like it's there a lot of them are like you've won but at what cost or like right yeah so are you are you generally like a, a 2d zelda guy or like a 3d zelda guy in general mm, I, I think i'm more of a if the zelda game is good guy okay like fair like um I, I, I like I I like either of them. 
right? I, okay. I prefer either of them, but there are a few Zelda games that I've just never been that big a fan of. Like Majora's Mask is one of them. Zelda 2, God, I've tried that game Zelda so many yeah. fucking times. Like, it's hard, hey? It's, it's a hard game. It's fucking hard. Um, <laughs> and I still don't like it. Like, I've beaten it, but I'm like, I'm never touching that again. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Did you, did you like, cheese Shadow Link at the end, or did you, like, legit fight Shadow Link? I, did, I don't remember. It's there's, like, there's, I, like a, there's, like, a technique where you can crouch and just, like, spam swords. Oh, oh, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah the last time I beat it, I was either just out of high school or in college, yeah. something like that. I can't remember. Um, but it's, yeah, I guess those are like the only two Zelda and, and the Hyrule Warriors games. Like they're okay. Yeah. They're fun little mash, mash them yeah. up games, but yeah, eh. they're like, they're like Zelda themed other games. You know, it's, it's kind of yeah. like if you were to come up with a, a mobile game that had a Zelda theme or whatever, it's like, that's about as Zelda as they are, you know? Yeah. Um, I was like, I, I did play and I did beat Age of Calamity. Um, I wasn't I still haven't blown away it by yet. it. Yeah. It's it's like solidly okay. You know, I don't think I would call it a Zelda game because there's really no like. One thing about Zelda games is that they make you feel clever when you solve things. Like you know when you solve yeah. like a really good puzzle and you're like, wow, that was so satisfying. Age of Calamity doesn't do that. You know. Because I mean, it's um, like a beat 'em up game type thing. Because I, know, I I, I played through the first one, the first Hyrule Warriors. Like, it was okay. Like, like you say, it was just kind of a mindless get a mindless yeah. game. You don't have to think about. Yep. Yep. And, so uh, it's like a you know it's like I'm not gonna say it's like Diablo two because I think Diablo two is actually a little more nuanced than Hyrule Warriors. But it's like you know click mouse button numbers go or like numbers go up. Well, it, it's serotonin directly into brain. <laughs> Um, no, it, it's like, um, they're just like the, um, oh shit. What game series is it derived from? Um, oh my gosh. Uh, it's, well, it's from the warriors, right? Like there's, um, yeah, there's the, a bunch of them. Di- dynasty yeah, warriors. Yeah. Di- dynasty warriors. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's it. Um, it's like, it's, it's those games essentially. And, um, yeah. And like, I think if you're a fan of that genre, they're probably pretty good. Yeah. Um, it's just not my thing, you know? Yeah. It, it, it's just. I like it just um as another Zelda game, but like I said, it's definitely like way down the list there. Yeah. Um did you ever play the the Oracle games on Game Boy? I never played the Oracle games, but I've heard they're really good. They're hard. Um, like the the yeah. one that's based on puzzles, fuck, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> also, I loved Twilight Princess. Loved oh, I, I love that one. That was such a good one. Um, really good soundtrack. Skyward Sword. <clears throat> Are you going to so get the ex- HD? Oh, one? you know I'm getting the HD. I'm going to do my first playthrough. I think on Twitch. Oh, nice, um, nice. The um, the the thing that I'm so excited about with Skyward Sword HD is not having to use the fucking motion controls. Oh yeah. Because dear God, it. Okay, so I loved Skyward Sword. Like the story is great. The the it's probably one of my favorite soundtracks of like all the Zelda games. Um, the, the, the motion controls though, like I had to fight through it. Cause there's so many times, yeah. even with the Wii motion plus I'm like, I'm doing exactly what you're telling me to do. And it's not doing it. Maybe it's yeah. better on the Wii or not the Wii, uh, the switch. Um, it's not exactly a surgical scalpel no. of a tool, you know, <laughs> it's I, fine if you're bowling, but <laughs> uh, like, I'm so glad, like you'll be able to just play it with the, with the other, um, yeah. With the joystick concept. like yeah. oh my gosh and not have to do the whole movement shit oh i'm so excited yeah. about that. that 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 was my biggest complaint with that game just 
it was god awful controls yeah so i'm really excited like i i've gone pretty deep down the rabbit hole of like zelda lore and zelda lore is a really it's it's kind of the opposite of magic lore in that like it didn't really start out having a cohesive story oh yeah like um, for the longest time it didn't and then yeah, um the first like dozen games there was no story to it really you know and then when hyrule historia came out is when they officially yep. made it like the three timeline thing for for ocarina yeah, of time i did all together and then they yeah. were like um yeah it's like it's it's it, like i said it's the kind of the opposite of magic because magic used to have like a really role and like deep like set of novels that associated mm -hmm. with it right um and then it's kind of flipped the other way where now it's like do you know anything that happened in Strixhaven's story i don't uh, um, liliana's there that's about all i know yeah i don't know why <laughs> i know that she's there yeah um but yeah zelda lore is kind of interesting in that way because they kind of like they <clears throat> kind of came up with an overarching narrative that tied a whole bunch of individual stories together and then now they're actually crafting new games that fit into the storyline in really clever ways and like yeah they really are yeah when you think about it yeah like, like breath is like, a while Aonuma, yeah. Aonuma was like okay we've got this timeline now and then they came out with skyward sword and they were like okay this is the thing that um sets the story for the like reincarnation of ganondorf and the and the warrior in zelda mm -hmm. and all that kind of thing um and then breath of the wild is the flip side of that it's the end of the story right so skyward sword is the beginning and and um breath of oh, the wild is oh, the book into it is that did they confirm that like that is supposed to be one they've confirmed that it's at the end but they haven't confirmed <clears throat> which timeline it's on oh so so then is Breath of the Wild 2 like an actual sequel then to the story or? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I've heard some theories that um, it's actually like potentially the inevitable end of all three timelines in the split where it's like, it doesn't matter what they did. It was always going to end this way kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, and that's why you see in Breath of the Wild, those callbacks to like, games from all three timelines because like you see stuff from wind waker you see stuff from majora's mask you see stuff from you know all of the all of the timelines um now the the game devs have said you know it's uh it does i think they said it doesn't matter which timeline it's on um which yeah. suggests either they're not going to place it on the timeline or that there's like something coming out that will place it on the timeline very obviously um but the the storytelling is incredible and they've come up with like a really cool um story it's rooted in like um in like taoism and buddhism and stuff like that and like there's a lot of really deep i guess themes. i guess i gotta look more into it because i've never as much as i love the games and all this i've never really looked that deep into all the lore and the um the timeline stuff it, it's it's not something that's always been interesting to me that much because i've always just been i care more about the gameplay um yeah. and yeah but it, i mean the way you're describing it sounds really interesting especially i had no idea what like where breath of the wild even laid on any timeline i just thought it was like maybe in the middle of somewhere you know yeah no it's it, and that's what that's what that's why i'm really excited about the sequel is because like this is like the end of the series it doesn't mean that they're not going to make more games oh of course they are they're but this is like more. how the story ends kind of thing that's interesting um, wow yeah it's really really cool so so let me get your opinion on breath of the wild like 
did you like the game and, and how do you feel about the evolution of the series and do you think future Zelda games should all take that way that Br Breath of the Wild played like that kind of freedom and exploration this is like a big question I love Breath of the Wild I think it's in my top three video games of all time in any genre um, it's uh I really like the the open world philosophy. I thought that the world in some places felt a little empty. Um, it's kind of like the the No Man's Sky problem is that you can make a really big world, but if you don't fill it with stuff, then it's just a big empty world, you mm -hmm. know. Um, I did really like the how non-linear it was, in that you can solve problems in a in a variety of ways, and I think that that leads to like creative gameplay, where you're like. You know, I have to get to this place over there, and I could either chop down a tree, or I could go around, or I can climb up this thing and hang glide down, or like, it, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't put the gameplay on rails and say like you have to hit all of these checkpoints all the way along the way. You can just kind of do whatever you want at your own pace. So like, I spent a lot of time just wandering around and gathering mushrooms and riding bears and like, oh yeah, doing all the weird shit that you can do in Breath of the Wild. And like, I I don't even think I've explored the entire game. I've been to all of the areas, but every once in a while you find something and then you realize that you're like, oh, I'm in the ruins of Lon Lon Ranch from, from Breath of the Wild yeah, or from yeah. uh, Ocarina of Time. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. <laughs> and then like things are different at night. And yeah, it's just a really cool... I, I think that it, it takes a lot of inspiration from a couple, a couple sources. Um, one of them being Minecraft. And I think that Nintendo has kind of seen the writing on the wall. Like Minecraft, just Minecraft, has sold more than all of the like 30, however many Zelda games there are put together. Mm -hmm. Like that's how big Minecraft is. Like if you look on YouTube, like 90% of the top biggest videos on YouTube are about Minecraft. Oh yeah, it's um, insane. In the, game, in the gaming space. Yeah. And so I think they, they kind of look at that and they see that people don't necessarily want to be told a story. They want to be part of a story and have like a little bit of agency in it, you know? And like, it's, it's, if you, if you think about Minecraft, Minecraft is about, if you were, if you were to like distill Minecraft down to what it's about, it's about beating the Ender Dragon, right? Okay. But it's not, but it's not really like, that's the enemy that's at the end, but that's not what the game is about. You know, and you just can kind of just do whatever you want in it. It's the same thing with most open concept games like, um, you know, the Fallout game, Skyrim. Like, if you want to spend a week just walking around collecting copper in Fallout, you can. Um, yeah. There's no particular urgency or whatever. The sacrifice on the flip side of that is that you don't end up with some of the fun linear designs like Zelda Dungeons. Yeah, um, that, that was a huge miss for me because those are yeah. some, some of my favorite content. Yeah, and it was like the shrines were okay. Like the shrines I thought had really good puzzle design, but I missed the kind of escape room feel of like like my favorite dungeon is the forest temple in Ocarina of Time. Yeah, it was a good and one. it's incredible, but it feels like an escape room, right? Like you need this mm -hmm. piece to go over there, and then you need a password from here to get into that, and then this key goes in there. And like there's kind of meta puzzles that are like you have to remember that this thing is open when you do this and closed when you do that and like or, or remember to go back to this room when you get this item exactly and, or, or come visit this dungeon again when you get the hook shot or something and 
Yeah, but because they kind of explicitly designed Breath of the Wild to not be gated by certain game events, that everything is open all the time and there's no closed doors, right? Um, and I think that that's missing. <clears throat> I wish that they could come up with like a hybrid model where yeah, you've I, got I some like dungeons that. if you want, but maybe they're not necessary, but they're still there, you know? Because then it kind of maintains the, the non-linearity of the games without losing something that feels like really distinctively Zelda, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's not to yeah. say the, the shot, the shrines were bad. Like, like not, not the, um, not the big shrines. Um, but, but even like a lot of the, a lot of the smaller shrines you go and visit, there are some that like some of the puzzles were just like, what the fuck, how the hell yeah. do I solve this? And then, and then, and then you, yeah. and then you're just like, Oh, that's how I do it. Okay. I'm dumb. You know, but I feel like there was too many that were strength of tests, though. I feel like those yeah. were like some of the laziest ones. It was not that they weren't bad to have, but it was just like you, you finally find the shrine. You're just like, oh, it's another strength test. Like, OK. Yeah, it felt like it, it kind of felt like they had like there were 120 shrines. Yeah, it kind of felt like they had like, like OK, so on my podcast, I'm going to plug this for a sec. I was just talking to Glenn Jones about card design in Magic, and he said that a lot of cycles in Magic start out as somebody has an idea for two cards that are similar to each other in different colors, mm -hmm. and then they just fill out the rest of the cycle with like similar ideas, but they're not as good as the original two card designs. Yeah. Like, it's not a cycle, it's just two cards plus some filler, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what the shrines were in Breath of the Wild, where they had like 75 solid ideas for shrines. And then they were like, let's just make the rest of them a test of strength. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. See that it's, yeah. um, and, and I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Like I loved the exploration of breath of the wild. Um, I, even though I agree, the world did feel empty. The thing that brought me kept, kept bringing me back to it was you'd see something on the horizon and you're like, I want to go climb there just because, yeah. you know, and, and, and a lot of open world games that I do play, I don't feel that way. You know, because I have so many quests and stuff that I have to do, you know, to try to either get stronger or progress a story where in Breath of the Wild, you could completely ignore all the quests because the quests aren't going to get you stronger. Right. It's your yeah. exploring. Everything is going to get you stronger, like better gear yeah. and better weapons. There was like a couple things that I really liked. Like, I think that they could do more stuff like uh, the rebuilding Terrytown um, quest where you have to like go and find people in different areas yeah. of the map. And each time you do, it kind of like sequentially builds up this town that didn't exist when you started. I think that's kind of a cool thing. Yeah, I um, like that. Where again, it's not like it's not related to getting better or like it's not going to it's not going to get you to Ganon. It's not going to outfit you with the best items. It's just kind of like a cool and flavorful way to like rebuild a disaster landscape after a calamity right yeah um i think that if they if they leaned more and stuff like that it would could be a really flavorful um world of like rebuilding things after a disaster mm -hmm. um without feeling like fallout 4 where it's like you know you got preston garvey that's just like oh this uh <laughs> settlement is under attack go and kill the people right and it's just the same thing every time, and he messages you every 10 minutes. Oh, know? God, that was so annoying. Yeah, and it's like, those are filler quests, right? Like, yeah, it's yeah. a quest, and yeah, you're going to get a reward for it, but, like, after three or four times, you're like, okay, I get it. Like, they're yeah. under attack. Yeah, yeah, you stop caring. No, yeah. it, it's... The, the biggest thing, like we said before, dungeons were the biggest thing missing for me. It's... I sort of like that non-linear linearity 
of Zelda, mm-hmm. where you know, take Twilight Princess, Ocarina of Time for an example. You know, you 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 get into a Hyrule field, you can explore everything there. You can go to a lot of places, but there's still a lot of places that are gated off because you don't have the weapons, or you know, you're still the young kid and you can't get there yet. But there's still so much to explore. There's so many little secrets to explore, even without progressing further. That and you know, I'm not saying that Zelda has to go back to that sphere again and like never go back to Breath of the Wild. It's I just hope we don't start just getting nothing but Breath of the Wild esque like Zeldas going forward. It's like yeah, like one thing that I think that the Zelda team has done really well is like is is innovating with each game. Like oh yeah, Breath of the Wild sure. is nothing like the last Zelda game that came out. It's it's like not even close. Um, and I mean, like you said, motion controls maybe turned out to be a disaster, but like you got to crack a few eggs to make an omelet, right? Like you're, oh, yeah. if, if you're innovating, you're going to make some mistakes. And I think they've acknowledged the fact that it like maybe wasn't the best idea, but I would rather they try that stuff than not try that stuff and, and just put out the same Zelda game every five years for the rest of my life. You know? Oh yeah. Like, like, um, um e- even a lot of the handheld ones, like, um, the, the spirit tracks and phantom hourglass, like even though they're all the stylus controls and all that they're they weren't really good games but it it was they tried something new though and and same goes for link between worlds i loved link between worlds that was a great game it was a bit on the easy side um even in hero mode but um it was like you you could get any item you wanted but you rented it until you could afford Mm -hmm. to buy it completely um the uh the 2d power that you had to be able to like go on walls yeah, and it has painting, that, yeah. that that was great i freaking loved yeah. that little thing um yep. so so yeah it, it's i still feel like they can go back to the normal formula but they've done really well just experimenting greatly on yeah, wacky stuff like I, I and i gotta give them credit like even there are stuff there are things that i don't like about breath of the wild but it's still in my top three games of all time i and i think that that's a masterpiece too like i think when if you were if you were looking at this in a hundred years and looking at the history of video game design, like Breath of the Wild is in the book. Um, like, yeah. Yeah, I I, I don't know there. if I'd consider it like my in my top three, but it, it's probably it's know. in the discussion. I think I think I if you're know. if you're like Red Dead Redemption or if you're Skyrim or anything like that, you're paying attention to what Nintendo's doing with Breath of the Wild. Because like, oh yeah, oh yeah, like I, I, I'm not doubting <laughs> it's like it's not worthy of being in top three. It's just like my personal favorite games i don't know if it would crack it it's like your top three uh final fantasy 6 probably because it was like it was the first game that i can remember playing as a kid that really showed me that video games can have a story that can affect you and touch you Um, oh yeah and it because you know we had uh, previous final fantasy games before that like i think the only other final fantasy that came close at the time to a story of that magnitude would be four at the time um Um, but even then it's a little bit more superficial right like it's not it's not like real people having real emotions about real things you know like even not even real things but like things that you can at least relate to yeah Um, i I think it was only really uh cecil was the only one you could even really relate to in terms of um but but six was the like still my all-time favorite game um and, and this game that I played just recently um, has cracked, like, as my second favorite game of all time, Last of Us 2. Like, 
Holy. I haven't played it, but I've heard some incredible things about it. So, so I like anyone who knows me knows like, not that I don't like modern games and all that stuff, but when it comes to like, you know, top five, top 10 lists, like there's never going to be a modern game that really cracks my list. But, and, and I loved the first last of us. It was good, but I would never consider it like a top 10 favorite game of all time. Last of us Two. All I can say is, holy fuck. <laughs> that that game was that that to me is has been like the pinnacle of storytelling in in video games. Like I, I I'll have to check that out. Like I can't see how Naughty Dog can top that, which I'm sure they will at some point. But it, it's yeah, it was so the good. The thing is, when when game studios put out like real bangers like that, they attract a lot of really talented people that want to work on the next thing, right? Yeah. Like, they 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 attract the people that like that kind of thing and they're like i want i want to help <laughs> you know yeah yeah it's and, and and like i said i i remember pixie telling me like just just play last of us 2 play it play it play it. you're going to love it and i'm like eh, you, you know the I, I when i get into the game i'm like it's not bad like i'm enjoying the game but as it went on further i'm like i can't stop playing it like holy fuck i it, it like <laughs> I, 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 there's no other game right now that I can play that can just even come close to it. Um, and then my third favorite game would be Link's Awakening. Okay. Or, or, or sometimes it switches. Like, it's Link's Awakening or Suikoden 2. Suikoden oh, 2 was okay. so good. You ever played the Suikoden games? Nope. Oh, man. Nope. Th- those are... There, there's a theme here with a lot of my favorite games. It's, it's good storytelling because I love yeah. stories. Um, Suikoden 2, like the whole Suikoden series um, is based off of, what is it, some old Japanese tale like The Legend of the 108 Stars or something like that. Um, And Suikoden series is a lot about war and stuff and like how it affects people and all that stuff. And just Suikoden 2, just going from Suikoden 1, which is a really good game, uh, then you go to Suikoden 2 and just notches like the storytelling mm-hmm. of just how war can affect family and friends and especially like how how do how do you still stay friends with someone who's fighting on the enemy side of a of a war you know right or what you consider right. the enemy side and then you know they vice versa think you're the enemy uh, so yeah. it's like it's it's some pretty deep stuff it's like huh. it's really and is that good. older like i've never heard of those y- yeah they're they're on the playstation playstation oh, okay yeah yeah the, the series was never that popular unfortunately i never had a playstation so i wasn't really like i, I shouldn't say that i bought a playstation like 10 years ago a playstation yeah. original playstation mm-hmm. um strictly because i found a cheap copy of god of war 2 at a garage sale and i wanted to play it oh god of war <laughs> so games are so cheap great PlayStation. oh yeah they're awesome <laughs> oh yeah it's um i got the god of war collection for ps3 where it had like all three of them in, in the PSP games and then the new God of War game that came out on PS4. Oh yeah, oh, I haven't played that. I don't have a PS4, so. Oh man, hell, did you get one? Well, I mean, hey, you should probably wait for PS5 then because I think yeah, God, they're re-releasing God of War on that, but. You're literally just building gaming PCs now though, right? Like Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, well, well, no, you need to get a PS4 so you can play Last of Us 2. Oh, fair, fair. Yeah, so, so you need one. <laughs> yeah i'll just go rent one from blockbuster and uh, yeah it in a week right <laughs> well well what you can do is buy one from amazon and then you have the what two week return policy or something on it get lots of us to beat it like within at least the week and then just return it 
I'll just I'll just put a post on Reddit being like, <laughs> "Be right back, Last of Us 2. <laughs> be, be back in a week." <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I know the, the these consoles are now more like PCs anyway. But um, yeah. it, it's like my favorite console, especially lately, has just been the Switch. The Switch has still been like yeah, one Switch of is incredible the best consoles that have been released within the past ten years. I play Slay the Spire on Switch. I've every not day. played that. I've heard oh, that's incredible. really good. Yeah. It's like it's like I'm not gonna say it's better than Magic, but it's pretty damn close. Yeah, I've I've heard it's that a lot. Like it's really good. good. I'm gonna it's have to really good. I'll have to eventually check it out because I just picked yeah. up the the Dritz game, the Dark Alliance on PC. And yeah. I mean it's not the best game, but I mean I love all the the D D lore of like Dritz and mm-hmm. Bruiner mm-hmm. and all that, so to me, I'm just like geeking out. Like, yeah, the gameplay is not the greatest, but oh shit, I can finally get to see how some of my favorite locations look or how they're expecting it to look. That was what I liked about Age of Calamity that I really enjoyed was that you could walk through like all these places from the Breath of the Wild timeline, but before yeah. they were destroyed. So you could be like, this was the ruins of whatever in Breath of the Wild, and now it's like a thriving town. And it was cool to see like what that Hyrule looked like before yeah. it was destroyed. I liked that about Age of Calamity, and I hope they do more of that in Breath of the Wild too. And Age, I haven't even beaten Age of Calamity, but to me, I've only played like the first couple levels. But man, I just get such like a depressed feeling of that game. It's like you know they're all gonna die, you know they're all gonna fail. So it's like fuck, why even bother like fighting? (laughs) What chat? Do I tell him? I'm not going to spoil it. Finish Age of Calamity. Yeah, I, I need to. I need to. I, or, or unless it's like some timeline variant or something. I'm not going to. I'm not. Baiting me into this, I'm not going to spoil it. Oh, man. I'll get to it eventually. It's There's just too much shit, man. To... Try, try to slay the spire first, though. It is an immensely rewarding game. It's um like I'm not exaggerating. I actually play it every day. Um, mm, interesting. I play it way more than I play Magic. Um, <sighs> I... Th- God, you're, I'm playing too many games right now. I, I just got hooked back onto World of Warcraft. It's, um, oh, no. It's, uh, that, that's a game I just can't seem to quit. Like, I've, I've played since the very beginning. And, you know, it, it's this relationship where, you know, it's like it's like the old girlfriend. You can't quit or anything. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep sucking your back in. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just text, uh, wow, at 3 a.m., you up. <laughs> i go to the computer and play (laughs) oh but Uh, and and it happens it's like i mean i i I still love the game i love that once again it's mainly because of the lore i love the story of it it's it's not the greatest story but it's these characters that i've been connected to even before wow like you know warcraft 2 and 3 you know getting to see some of these characters still and it's um yeah so i guess it's safe to say that stories i love stories it's yeah. that, that's what hooks me in video games especially yeah well definitely i'm gonna send you some videos then after this about breath of the wild and about the oh Zelda yeah lore oh yeah i i um, i because yeah, that's like one series that i never follow too deeply surprisingly it's like my one of my favorite series like it's you can see a little wanna... bit behind me it's um i've got my little <laughs> zelda shelf um yeah. If, if you want to, like, feel things, I'm going to recommend one particular video to you and all of your viewers. And I'm not sure if okay. you've seen it before, but it's called Ocarina of Time, a Masterclass in Subtext. Okay. And this video is yeah, incredible. I don't it's like a, half hour, it's like a half hour documentary about the, the major themes in Ocarina of Time. 
And uh, if yeah, if you want to feel things, that will be the Zelda video for you. <laughs> See, that's stuff. I guarantee it's stuff that you didn't pick up on when you were twelve. And oh, I'm I'm sure because <laughs> I have not played through that game, and I've been meaning to play them again because I got the 3DS remakes of Majora's and Ocarina of Time, oh, yeah. and I I played a little bit of Ocarina of Time, just probably like the first dungeon, and that was it. But it's I I've been meaning to play them again. It's just dude's time. It man. holds up. Yeah, it holds up. Oh, oh yeah, because I because I, I, I just even recently replayed uh, the first Legend of Zelda and Link to the Past, and those games yep. still hold up. God. I'm I'm currently playing through Link to the Past. It's uh, it's great. I that, that's that's another one of my favorite Zeldas. Like I, yep. I can still remember the first time I rented that game because I still remember the first time playing Legend of Zelda on NES, and it blew my mind. You can save, you can save your yeah. game, and you can do you could go wherever you wanted, and mm-hmm. um. God, it took me forever to beat that game. Um, yep. A lot of these old games are hard, and they're unforgiving. Oh, you know? oh yeah. <laughs> they, they had to be, though, because so many of the games back then were short. Um, yeah. not, not that the first Legend of Zelda was exactly short, but like just so many of those platformers back then were really short games, so they had to make them hard. Um, yep. But, dude, I can still remember the first time turning on Link to the Past, and you just wake up in your uncle's house and you walk outside it's raining mm-hmm. like it blew my mind like oh my god yep. that's so atmospheric it was yep. so amazing um, it's a solid game like yeah like you said like storyline wise like mechanics wise puzzles the puzzles are like maybe a little on the easy side but um there was the only like a few that dungeons always... that i remember even being somewhat hard puzzle like the ice dungeon still always gets me confused like where the hell to go the bosses are hard though like, oh yeah like they're difficult fights um yeah i, I can remember yeah. all the bosses being hard but then ganon at the end was just so easy to me like yeah <laughs> like like okay like all these other bosses tough and like ganon like pure pushover oh, oh. Uh, that was that so, was one thing that i didn't like about breath of the wild is that i thought that uh, oh, dark beast yeah. ganon fight was a joke it was like it might have well it, it might was. as well have been a cutscene. Right, like, like, like why, why make that gameplay? Just make it a cutscene. The the whole castle area getting to Ganon was so fucking difficult. Yeah, and then then yeah. you get to Ganon, you're like, that's it. What? And you're like, oh, like it's gonna do this whole thing for me. It's it's almost like those God of War sequences where it's like press Y and he does like a backflip and a whole bunch yeah. of stuff, and then you're like press X and he does another backflip. <laughs> yeah. and stuff. that's what that that's what that fight felt like. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. The um my favorite Ganon fight has always been the Twilight Princess one. Like just oh. all the phases of it was so oh. good. You, you, That's you, one thing that I think the Zelda series does really well is those like multi-phase fights where you have to yeah. totally change your strategy, you know. And and that was a really good one. Yeah, that was what you you do the Ocarina of Time esque bouncing the energy back mm-hmm. with fighting the Princess Zelda possessed yeah, body, whatever. Fun. And, and then and then you fight the big Ganon pig and then the the horseback mm-hmm. archery one and then the whole sword duel was so badass oh yeah that, yeah. that was awesome that whole that whole game was very cinematic like oh my gosh it was yes. very cinematic like not even just like it has a lot of cutscenes or whatever but like the way that they frame even the gameplay it's very like atmospheric like you said like it sets a mood <laughs> it's a, like depressing mood too but yeah. it, it, it but with a glimpse of happiness in there like just yep. slightly, but uh, but one thing I wanted to bring up with Link to the Past. Um, did you ever read the Link to the Past comic that Nintendo Power made? I didn't. Oh I didn't. man, you, you need to look Is it up. The it, manga? No, 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 not not the manga. It, it, it's a you remember Nintendo Power, right? Mm-hmm. 
So so Nintendo Power used to do comics in there. Um, oh, yeah. And they did a, I don't know how, I think it was like a year-long thing where they did a comic of Link to the Past. And then and then okay. later they sold it in, like, you know, just a full comic oh, form. Oh, like a bound copy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely worth reading. It's good. I, have oh, you yeah. read any of the Zelda manga? No. I haven't either. Just curious. It's It's like, it's not canon, I don't think. Yeah, and they're based um, on, like, they're just retellings of the storyline for some of the games, much. right? Yeah, there's a couple things in there that, like, some people think are canon, but it's not, like, officially canon. Yeah. And, like, you know, they're kind of in a weird middle space. It's kind of like gold-bordered cards in Magic, where they're, like, they're cards, but they're not really cards, but they're made by Watsy, but they've got gold borders, and they don't have real backs, and, like, it's, yeah. it's, it's like, as close to canon as you're going to get without being canon, you know? Yeah. And the the thing that Nintendo really needs to get on the ball, um, they need to make an anniversary collection of Zelda of the Philips CDI games. Come on, come on, Nintendo! What no, the hell? Don't. Come <laughs> if, on. if that happens, let me. If that happens <laughs> before I get like literally any games other than Skyward Sword on the Switch, I'm gonna riot. <laughs> that would be the best because like those are the only games i don't have in my collection because i have every other single zelda game like physical i i just don't have those the community's reaction if they were like hey it's zelda's 35th anniversary to celebrate this we're porting one of the most classic zelda games of all time onto the switch and then you find out that it's those yeah all all three of them well hey hey the the cool thing about that is two of two out of the three uh Philips CDI games, there were Zelda games. Like you could play Zelda yeah. and all yep. that. And um I mean, yeah, that that'd be terrible marketing, but it'd be hilarious though. It would be really funny. Um I the reaction would be something for the ages. Oh my god. I think gosh. they would have to like shortly follow it up with putting like a banger of a Zelda game like, a Zelda game on Switch. Like, just, just kidding, we're actually bringing Wind Waker and Twilight Princess HD. Like yeah, why why that, haven't that they the, done that yet? Ugh. Could you imagine could you imagine the reaction if they were like, Hey, we're gonna do the Philips CDI games and then like an hour later they were like, Oh, just kidding, it's Twilight Princess and Wind Waker. <laughs> <laughs> oh dude, I would totally just like, get like they would be trending on every platform in the world. <laughs> they would be, but I, 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 feel like they wouldn't do it because their stock price would probably just start plummeting. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, but it's like how 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 much it'd be so worth it though, like j- just yeah. for the lulls, it'd be so. Oh, worth it would it. be so funny. Oh man, it's um, <laughs> god. Yeah, it, it'd be it, like Magic saying we're releasing like Homelands remastered on MTGO. <laughs> You know, oh like, god, like, let's draft homelands or let's draft like one of these just awful old sets, like, and then following it up by being like, oh, just kidding, it's actually Rise of the Eldrazi <laughs> or like Innistrad, yeah, 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 or if they're doing like homelands remastered as a paper product, right? Oh god, oh god, oh god, <laughs> Wadzi, <laughs> if you're listening, do that, do it, and then announce Rise you. of the Eldrazi in paper. Yeah, dude. I I I look at the analytics of um my downloads of my podcast. I have some listeners in Washington and Seattle, so maybe it is some Wizards employees. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> Do you know that in our in our second episode ever, we had a guy um, message us because Jerry, one of the people from our group, made a joke because I think I like I chaos warped something of his or whatever. He shuffles it into his deck, and he made the joke that he's gonna flip it off the top, the same permanent because of the moto shuffle bug mm-hmm. and uh 
we had one of the developers from Watsi on Moto message us and say, hey, can you give me some screenshots of that bug you're talking about? I want to open it. Oh, fact. damn. <laughs> and we're like, we were joking, but hi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. That's awesome, though. It's awesome. I, th- I thought that story was going to go totally different. I don't know what I was expecting. Because it's like, I, I, most of, I mean, I get a lot of good comments, but then I usually get a lot of just troll comments, too. Oh, yeah. Just a lot What's, of okay, weird Let me ask people. you. I know this is not an interview of Zuby, but what's your favorite favorite comment either like bad or good that you've ever gotten on anything you've ever made what's what's one that like sticks in your brain that you'll never forget i have one in my brain if you want to think about it i'll tell you mine yeah 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 tell me yours because i'd have to think about it so mine is somebody said to me or somebody said on on my video if i'm ever in space and in trouble I want the person on the other end of the phone to look like Jim. <laughs> what? <laughs> Is that supposed to be I good will, or? or... I, I have no idea. I will never forget this comment. <laughs> like somebody is thinking a lot about this, about this imagined scenario. <laughs> now it's, God, I have to think about comment. I've had two fan interactions that have been, probably the most bizarre that all that have been burned in my mind. I, I don't want to talk about it on the show because it's, it's fair. That's I, fair. I, I, I can tell you after the interview, but, um, but yeah. as far as like a comment, I mean, the only thing that comes to mind recently was I released a status update video when I had my house flood and, um, okay. And I had to tell people like, Hey, you know, I'm going through this house flood. I can't, um, like I just had to cease everything with the podcast and everything content creation. Yeah, and, and, and I would get, these comments like just people saying and i don't know if they're from the same person they probably were just saying like oh i'm making this up you know i i hope your house like gets destroyed or something and all this stuff i'm like dude wow what the fuck <laughs> just all this hate all of a sudden just like okay whatever <laughs> but as far as like i've had a lot of good comments oh wait no no i do remember another fan interaction to i'll have to tell you that after the <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fucking weird people come to me, man. Oh, oh, I have another good one. We, we, uh, like, I don't know. This is maybe, I don't know if this is like something that people say or not, but we've always said in our play group, I have no effects to that. So somebody would cast a spell and be like, does anybody have any effects? And he'd say, like, I have no effects to that. Okay. <clears throat> and it, like, it's, I guess it would be more correct to say, I have no responses to that, right? Yeah. Um, but it's like kind of a combination of saying, I have no effects and I have no responses to that. You know, um, and uh, there was one guy that got really upset about that in our in our content. He he told us that we wow. were committing word crimes by not using proper grammar when we're passing priority. Oh, and I was God. like, word crimes, <laughs> word crimes. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I want to get that on a playmat. You are committing word crimes. There's there's the thought police. Now there's the word police. Yes. The word crime division. It's law the, and order. The, word uh, crime yes. division. Yeah, law and order. Word crime. I love that. <laughs> so WCD. Yeah, exactly. In Magic, there are two groups of players: the active <laughs> players and the non-active players. <laughs> oh, that's great! Oh, I love it. I love it. That's got to be a sketch. It, it, it's got to be like two people watching some content or whatever, and 
they they watch spike feeders like i have no effects of that and just sirens start going off and <laughs> let's roll <laughs> we gotta go somebody get pixie yeah, write this down pixie get in on this <laughs> come on oh this my be god your big tiktok debut <laughs> oh my god my, my speaking of pixie my favorite video of hers of all time or one of my favorite videos that she ever did was her Wizzy video where you know oh, the the, yeah. the the, the like alexa like alexa yeah, yeah. Type thing like, yeah. hey, Wizzy. Oh my God. I told her, like, you need to do a Wizzy 2.0. You have to. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like, there's infinite content there, yeah. right? Like, about it misunderstanding you and all that kind of stuff. Like, the, one of the big sounds on TikTok is um, uh, Alexa, remind me to go to the gym. And they're like, I've added gin to your shopping list. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> that works. <laughs> yeah, that does work. Yeah. But, um, oh, man. Yeah, that's great. Shit, what were we talking about before? Zelda. Um, I don't know. Oh, oh, there, question. There, there was something I wanted to bring up. Um, with with the advent of spell table, um, and I guess with just playing a lot more EDH. Like this is the most I've played EDH the past year in like forever. Because before I would only play, you know, either at GPS or something Magic Fest, and then maybe once, maybe twice a month at my LGS because you know life and all so with the advent of spell table it's getting a lot easier what I've noticed with myself is I'm getting less patient with people who solitaire a lot mm -hmm. have you noticed any changes in your behavior like that or I think some of that I, I have some theories on that so I, I also think that this is artificially um, uh, directing like the discourse in general do you remember? Do you remember when Opposition Agent got spoiled? This is like a little bit of a tangent on that. But do you remember oh, when God, Opposition yeah. Agent got spoiled? Everybody's like, "This is going to be the end of the format," and I'm like, "The whole so world melted." People aren't going to be playing a lot of Opposition Agent because they're playing a lot of webcam magic right now, and I think that that's the case for Opposition Agent, Turgrid, um, even stuff like Villainous Wealth and stuff like that. It's just hard to play. Like, there's infinite tokens and stuff, and that's a great product. Oh, I love it. But but um, but it's annoying like, too because it's especially yeah. if you're the player playing those you're like okay now i gotta write it down right. what does it do now i gotta look it up you know right and i'm not playing like mnemonic betrayal where i have to track what's in everybody's graveyards oh, and God, stuff yeah. like that you know yeah. so like i think that that actually has kind of suppressed some of the conversation around those cards that might actually start to pick up a little bit as people play them when it's more convenient to play them yeah know? i can see that so that's one of the reasons why in the, the last um, like rules uh, announcement and stuff like that, it was like, we have some thoughts on some stuff, but we're just going to like let it play out and see how big of a deal these are like in the in the real world once people start playing paper magic in person again. You know, that was like one of my biggest pieces of feedback to the rules committee was like, I don't have any hard opinions on this stuff because I don't know how representative this online play is of like what's going on at my LGS right now, you know? Mm -hmm. um so um i guess the question that you had was uh was like maybe changing a little bit how how tolerant you are of that kind of thing and i think there's a couple things that lead into that because spell table obviously however good it is and like honestly i think that spell table is like one of the reasons why we're even still playing commander right now i think we would have been oh, in yeah. rough shape if spell table was not around um but one thing that you can't do when you're on spell table when somebody's comboing off, you can't like turn to the person next to you and talk about something else. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. 
you know if you're at your lgs you can't like get up and go grab a chocolate bar or something like that you know because like you kind of have to be at the table otherwise like people are just waiting around for you to see if you have any effects instead of just shouting at you across the store you know yeah it's just a different environment and you're kind of restricted in how you can act while somebody else has the spotlight you know because you don't want to talk over people and this happens on yeah. streams and everything too right mm -hmm. like you don't want to talk over people too much but in a real game you can like talk to the person next to you while somebody's doing something and that's not a problem you know yeah, that I, I, that does make a lot of sense. I'd never thought of it that way, and and I guess for like my listeners and viewers, don't take it that anytime someone has a solitaire turn, like I hate it. it it's because everybody has that, right? There's always going to be turns where you're like, people just don't know what to do. Sometimes they have a lot of effects happening um, on the board, but when it gets to the point where people just, you know, start taking forever every single time their turn, I'm like, oh my gosh, come on. It, yeah, I just find that when when I'm playing with webcam magic, I feel like I'm tethered to my yeah, desk. Yeah. And when somebody else is acting, like you kind of just have to let them do it and not interrupt until they're done, and then it just feels like you're sitting there doing actually nothing, you know. Um yeah. whereas that's not really the case in in paper gameplay. So I, I don't know, it's just a different experience. I I think that I definitely understand that and I can relate to that for sure. No, no, interesting. I was just curious, like, if you've noticed any, any of, like, sort of what you used to tolerate, like, has either changed or diminished or anything like that. Because for the most part, it, it's like, in paper gameplay, like, especially EDH, I'm, like, super chill, like, nothing really affects me that much, and like in terms of, like, emotion, like, you want to play something crazy? Cool. Alright, cool. Let's do it. You know? Yeah. But like on webcam, I'm starting to notice where it's like, it's like, come on, <laughs> hurry up here. Especially when you're trying to be entertaining too with the stream crowd too. It's like, it's like, come on, we, we don't need the, the, the five minute turns. <laughs> Streaming magic is different. I'm going to be doing a spike on the mic episode about this. Uh, Cause I've, I've had this conversation with quite a few other um, content creators. Um, the, the the interesting thing about streamed magic and, and actually recorded magic in general as well <clears throat> is that what's entertaining is not always what's fun to do while you're playing the game. Um, yep. Oh, Olivia and I have talked yeah. about this quite a bit, and that's that I find that actually streaming and recorded content is more entertaining when people play less removal. Um, because like when you're playing magic, if you, especially if you're playing like any kind of sixty card constructed format, um. Like one of the things that can be really like challenging and rewarding for you might be playing like a really tight control game mm -hmm. where you're just like removing everything that your opponent sticks on the board and then you're like preventing whatever you can't remove, right? Like you're, you're counterspelling stuff. Um, that's a miserable play experience. A control mirror is the worst possible oh, thing God, yeah. for getting people excited about magic, right? There is a, a, a group of people that enjoys watching it and, and like more power to them. You can like what you like, right? But you're not drawing a big audience with a control mirror, right? And I think that that's the case with, with recorded commander content as well. If you're like the type of person that plays 22 board wipes in your deck and wants to beat people down with a 2-3 commander until they're all dead and just put the game on like a 60 turn clock, you can't get viewers that way, you know? Oh, yeah. You have to 
you have to be ramping things up to the point where exciting things happen, exciting and unique experiences. Because a lot of the time what you're showing the audience is not just what's happening in the game, but people's reaction to what's happening in the game as well. Yeah. And I know this is a really common criticism of Game Nights, but I think that Game Nights does actually an incredible job of it. Game Nights is a sitcom about people playing magic. It's not necessarily uh, content about magic games, mm -hmm. you know? Um, they care much more about the reaction to what's going on than what's actually going on. Um, it's about personalizing people and watching yeah. people enjoying playing a game, you know? And it's a very different experience with actually a different audience than a lot of people are expecting. But that's why when they say, well, you know, they should cut away from the board less and, you know, cut to people's reactions less. And it's like, well, no, that's a pretty integral part of what they do. It's, it's like literally what their audience wants. Um, and it's yeah. why they're popular. That's <laughs> why they've done so well. Um, so when you're making content, you have to think about stuff like that, right? Like yeah, and, stacks is not a good idea. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's really has changed the way that I build new decks too, that I know that I'm going to stream. Yeah. I still have some asshole decks that I build, but it's, you know, I, I definitely stray away from putting in 10 board wipes like I used yep. to. Um, yep. And that was like a huge mind shift for me. Like when we moved to like, like just, just our little discord that we have when we started playing magic on discord before spell table. Um, and then even when we first moved to spell table, a lot of my decks were a lot stronger than everyone else's on the, on my discord. And that was due to, because I played with a lot of high powered people, but I never felt it was that high powered, you know, comparatively, you know what I mean? It was just, it's, just sort of like how my play group evolved. And so I've had to learn to really depower a lot of my decks, not make everything so optimized. And I'm enjoying that more than just making everything optimized. Um, but it, it's been a huge shift in just deck building philosophy, especially for stream. It's, it's, you want to make it entertaining, but you don't want to make every match a complete slog too. Cause. And so, like, the decks that I play on stream are not necessarily the decks that I would play in person, right? Like, I find yeah. a lot more lower power magic on stream because I find that more varied things happen, you know? Yeah. Um, it's not always that, like, control mirror. And some, like I said, some people are looking for that experience, more power to them. Um, but it's not it's not going to draw big crowds. That's not how you, like, grow in a significant way in, the, in, the, in, the, in your audience, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely a really interesting thing to think about because when you talk to a lot of creators most of them already do this stuff whether they're realizing it or not like right they'll say like mulligan until you have a keepable opening hand because you know it's yep. not entertaining watching somebody start with a three land or three card opening hand and miss yep. their first three land drops right miserable right that's not entertaining so like multi to you get a keepable opening hand or like yep that, that, that's been pretty much the norm and even the few times i've played paper magic with some of my friends um yeah now it's been just keep drawing to get a good hand you know yeah exactly and so like most content creators do that i've found like we do that and even yeah. in our cdh games we do that um yeah it's it's really really interesting um because it seems like a lot of content creators sort of naturally arrive at that conclusion but a lot of the people that are watching the content don't necessarily realize that it's a conscious choice mm -hmm. and so you end up with a lot of people saying, well, you know, this person should have just run more optimization or run more uh, removal and stuff like that. And they wouldn't have been in this situation. And it's like, well, if they ran more removal, then you wouldn't have had most of the stuff that happened in that game. You know? Yeah. 
it, it only if you played the best cards in every single deck you build you know yeah and so like that's <laughs> that's kind of what i've been talking about lately especially in the past couple days is that like i think one of the things that we all as a community need to be more conscious of is the the specific interaction where somebody comes to you and says hey like can you give me feedback on my list right can you take a look at my deck um and give me some feedback or let me know what you think of my list right this is not necessarily an invitation to um all them all the things that they're doing wrong right so a lot of the time like in other formats like you might go on reddit and say hey i want to bring my affinity list to fnm and i need to tune my sideboard like what what improvements would you make to something to my sideboard that's the feedback that they're looking for it's like yeah how can i effectively engage with what i'm expecting to play against right um whereas in edh it's not necessarily i want to win games more it's um i have some things about this deck that i that i know are fun i don't necessarily know what they are but i don't want to get rid of them you know so like when you say to somebody well you shouldn't be playing goblin bombardment you should be playing some other sack outlet right yeah and it's like well no i like the idea of throwing my goblins at people and this is a goblin deck right um or even like some other like more flavorful cards uh you know maybe not ones that aren't like actually very efficient sacrifice outlets but um you know I, like, I play a, a Vile Smasher deck, and I play, like, uh, Erratic Explosion and, like, Kaboom and stuff like that. And they're just, like, goofy, random cards that fit with my theme. And they're not optimal. But if I were to give my deck to somebody and say, what do you think I should do with this list? There are a lot of people that would tell me, well, you could be playing a more efficient win condition, and you could be playing, like, all this stuff and better interaction. Mm -hmm. And, like, I don't play Soul Ring. I'm sure most people would tell me to run Soul Ring. But that's not <laughs> what I'm looking when I'm looking for feedback yeah. on my list, right? Like... What I think that that positive interaction could be is, like, if I hand you my list and say, uh, can you give me some feedback on my list? You come back at me and you say, what do you like about your list, right? What yeah, do you want it to do? Yeah, what are you trying to do? Like, What are you trying to do? And then let's help yeah. you get there. and Because that might not be winning, you know? It could mm -hmm. just be, oh, I want to assemble all of the Elder Dragons on the board at the same time. Or, like, I want to tell the story of the Weatherlight. Like, I want to use my captain says hey to crew the weather light and that's like my story deck that i want to build you know yeah and so like let's let's help you do that i <laughs> know yeah, and that and, and i i feel like it's hard for a lot of people to do that because just with magic magic being a game that is at its core competitive you know it, it, it's a game that designed to win you, you play a game mm -hmm. you, to win it, it's hard for a lot of people to just not tell you well you got to play soul ring you got to play mox opal yeah. you got to wh whatever other card you know just to yeah put it out there and so what what happens there is when that becomes like the dominant like ethos of the format where it's like you know you've got pro players that are commenting on how edh players never run enough lands and stuff and like don't that. buy and doubling they're, they're making, seasons god or, or yeah, they know they buy too many or something yeah. and they're like <laughs> they're they're making a value judgment saying like edh players don't really know how to play magic because if this was a pro player they'd be playing three more lands and they'd be diversifying the lands like this and they would be running different interaction suite and all this kind of stuff and like that's a valid way to play magic it is like i'll be the first one to say if you want to do that, that's great. But 
I, even as a high power player, I don't want that to be the only way to play EDH, right? Exactly. Like, exactly. I don't want that to be the predominant idea that if you're not optimizing, you're doing it wrong, you know? And, and that's where I felt that Sheldon hit it perfectly on Monday, the, the homogenization effect, because that's something that I see a lot of where it, it's so easy to just... E e to tell people like just play the best cards especially new players right and it, like someone who's brand new to magic who has no idea the depth of how many cards there are in magic's history it's so easy to tell them well you need to play xyz because it's the best yep yep and so yeah like i said you know if if there's like one takeaway that i'm going to be trying to promote a lot more publicly is that when somebody comes and asks you what you think of their deck or if they're looking for feedback or if you want to give somebody feedback um ask them what they're trying to do and what they enjoy you know that's what's important help them pursue that and it yeah, might be winning yeah. and if it is winning then help them optimize that's great like you yeah. might have something you can share about how to do things more effectively that they that might help them out if, if winning is what they want to do but don't assume that it's winning from the get-go because it might not be yeah, it's some of my favorite decks that I have are decks that will probably never win except by mistake. And they do like the big splashy stuff because they're the most fun to play. You know, yeah. it's um, and that's what I love about EDH is the, the thing that's always drawn me to it is the fact that not only is it essentially vintage legal because it's got every single magic card available and that you, there's even to this day after how many years of playing EDH, there's still certain cards that get paired with newer cards and you're like, wait, that does what again? That and it does some crazy interaction you never would have thought of and just blows your mind. I, I, I love that to this day that they're, yep. that it's still capable of doing that. Let me, let me tell you a cool story. I was playing, um, my Kangi changing travel deck. So this is like pre Morophon. Um, it's like Lords and changelings in Azorius. And, um, I was playing against a guy, I don't even remember what he was playing, but I remember this interaction. It's like burned into my brain. This is like when I was fairly new to the format. Um I had an avian changeling out. So it's a um like a flyer changeling. Yeah. And um back across me casks worst fears to take control of my turn. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that Theros one or Born of Gods. Yeah. Yeah, so he's like, worst fears, I'm taking control of your turn. It's like, a, I don't know, seven or eight mana sorcery. Yeah, it's expensive. Um, and he says, okay, so it gets around on my turn. He's, he like grabs my hand of cards, and he's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. And he goes into the tank for like a long time. And he, he like <laughs> he's like, okay, I know what we're going to do. So he goes in, and he makes me attack him with my angel, avian changeling. Okay, And he declares no blocks and takes the damage. Okay. Then, post-combat main phase... He um, uh, casts knowledge exploitation for its prowl cost to um, like search through his own library to make me search through his own library and cast a spell out of it. And he grabs toxic deluge and pays my entire life total into it. Oh, <laughs> damn. And the funny thing is because um, that's great because my life total is zero sba's like state-based actions get checked and the toxic deluge doesn't even resolve so he gets to keep all of his creatures <laughs> oh shit so because if 
Because I control the toxic deluge, and then when I die, it gets it removed from the stack. <laughs> oh shit! Oh, that's crazy! Oh damn! I didn't know that. Like, so if you kill yourself with toxic deluge, it it doesn't resolve. It doesn't resolve. No, it doesn't. Wow, resolve. that's good to know. It's good to know. I'm like, wow, this is the most galaxy brain shit. And I'm like, I can't even be mad. That was such a spectacular way to lose the game. See, and and that's still possible in EDH even to this day. Like after how many years in, you're just. Yeah still stuff that blows my mind um the thing that um that i can think of that blew my mind not recently but uh my buddy food time um he plays a uh, shit what's her name uh from throne of eldraine the the uncommon red sir ellie or sir it's i don't know Okay, she, I, I didn't pay a lot of attention to Aldrain. I don't know. She, <laughs> she, she's this uncommon red commander that whenever you cast a sorcerer instant exile the top card of your library and all that stuff. And he, okay. and it, it does something like that. And, um, and he just, I, I thought like, Oh, this commander is no big deal. Right. And then he just ends up storming off and just blows my mind. Right. It, it's just stuff like that, that you, you so many, so many cards out there that seem, seem unassuming and you're just like, eh, it's no biggie. Don't worry about it. And then just, they just shit all over you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and I love uh, it. It's like, there's so much depth to the format. I always say that one of the reasons why I play a lot of high power, high power EDH is because there's so much more to explore in EDH than just Battlecruiser. Like, I love Battlecruiser. I love exploring interesting things to do. Um, It's like it's one of the ways that you can vary your gameplay if you're looking for varied games like i would say if you're looking for varied games you're probably not looking for exclusively cdh because you're gonna end up playing quite a bit with a core like 200 cards yeah um with and against but if you're looking for varied gameplay it's something that you can add to your repertoire to be like this is the type of magic that i want to experience today you know and there's like unique and distinctively commander things that come up at the higher power levels as well um like as an example i was playing this actually happened in one of our episodes bill uh my brother started going off with uh karmic guide and felidar guardian Mm -hmm. and so um like in a sack outlet so i i don't exactly know how it works but it's like Karmic Guide enters the battlefield, you return Felidar Guardian to the to the to the battlefield from your graveyard, it blinks the Karmic Guide, you can sack the Felidar Guardian yeah, response yeah, and yeah. so on. So, sort of like the Protean Hulk Karmic Guide. Yeah. And so uh while he was going <clears> off with <throat> this, he's got a Japanese Karmic Guide, and this kind of plays into the story. Because I'm like sitting here and I was playing Momir Vig Hackball, which is a deck that uses color changing cards to change Momir Vig's color words on in, in his abilities. Oh dang. And um yeah, it's a really cool deck. <laughs> um and so I'm sitting here and I've got these like fucking magical hacks in my hand. And as he's going off with this Karmic Guide loop, I'm like, wait a minute. Karmic Guide has protection from black, doesn't it? I can give it protection from white and stop the loop. <laughs> oh, shit. And so I did it. And he was like, okay, I think I figured out a way to fix this. And uh, he like starts going through the loop again. And he goes to cast Summoner's Pact. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you can go ahead and Summoner's Pact or whatever. And he goes to grab, um, I think he was grabbing Protean Hulk at the time. And... I look at his lands and I'm like, if I magical hack one of your lands, then you don't have enough mana to pay for Protean Hulk in your upkeep. So if you can't win right now, you lose. So I like hacked his, uh, his, oh, um, that's so awesome. 
I hacked his taiga to be a mountain island instead of a mountain forest. Mm -hmm. And uh, he ended up winning with the um, like pay for summoners pact trigger on the stack in his upkeep on his oh. next turn. <laughs> How the fuck it did was, he like, win? A sick, it was a sick game. But it was like these really weird, super niche, ultra specific interactions. And I'm like, yeah, we were playing CDH decks, but that is like a distinctively commander experience. That would never happen in any other format. I know. And and that's the best thing about Commander, man. It's friggin' you're not gonna get those experiences in modern legacy, even draft. I mean yeah. I mean, there there I've had some really good games in other constructed formats that you know, I can tell on the podcast here, but there, there's been nothing quite like some of the crazy stories that you get in EDH, though. Yeah. Of Like, I always like to say, like, you know how people always say, well, I didn't know that my deck could do that, or, like, that's the first time my deck has ever done that. Yeah. I love the stuff in EDH where it's like, that's maybe the first time that anybody's ever done that in the history of magic, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, don't know that, I don't know that for sure, but if I had to place money on it, I think I would win that bet, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I, I'm sure I've done stuff like that too. That, yeah, yeah, those are the best, the best. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it, especially like the weird rules interactions. Like, especially, like, I don't think any judge has had to do certain rules on X, Y, Z before, and just yeah, I love it. I love it, man. All right, so so mm -hmm. starting to wrap up here. Um, uh, a few questions. It's uh, how many EDH decks do you actually have built right now? Oh, okay, good question. I have a whole bunch. Like, okay, I got four. Eight. One. Ten, twelve, fourteen. I have fifteen <laughs> decks assembled right now and two Canadian Highlander decks. Oh, that's it? I thought you would have had more. Uh this is just like assembled right now. Oh wait, I have a sixteenth in the other room. I have oh, okay. sixteen decks assembled right now. Uh most of them are I would say probably ten or eleven of them are casual and five of them are higher power. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um favorite magic color? And why is it blue? Uh, I think it's actually red. I, wow. I like my favorite color pairing is is it, but I think I like the red stuff more than I like the blue stuff. I can see that. I, I, I've noticed like I blue's been my favorite color for a long time, but I've noticed um the past couple years black. I've starting to really start dive into black and really like what they do. It's um yeah, like one one of my favorite decks is my mono black Ayara sack outlet deck and and. I don't know how many times I've played that deck and won, and I keep telling people, like, literally, if you keep killing a Yara, I'm not going to win the game, and yet they don't believe me. And I'm all like, okay. <laughs> okay. Guess we'll do this then. <laughs> oh, man. But, um, okay. So only about 16 decks. Red is your favorite color. Um, uh -huh. Favorite magic set? Ooh, that's a good one. I, I am going to go a little rogue on this one. I don't think a lot of people would say this, but I really like Tempest. Um, Tempest is the last set that I played before I took a long break from Magic. Had some good slivers um, in it. So it's got like my... Uh, when I when I look at Tempest Basic Lands especially, I think of like my childhood. That Tempest Basic Lands remind me of like when I was 12 playing Magic on the playground. That, that's so. how I feel about when I look at Urza Saga Basic Lands. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just childhood right there. Because that was my first set. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, Mirage has some really good Basic Lands too. Oh yeah. They're, they're reprinting a couple of those. Hey, the Lightning... Uh, is it the Lightning? Is that from Mirage? No. No, no the, the, you mean the Island Lightning? No, the Plains Lightning. Oh, the Plains Lightning? That is... 
it's maybe not Mirage. It, it is, is Mirage. It, is it Mirage or Portal? I can't remember. I don't know. They're reprinting one of them anyway. It, yeah. I think it's in Modern Horizons. The Modern Horizons uh, yeah, yeah, basic the, lines are reprints from popular sets. Yeah, I, I know some of the islands are from Mirage and Urza Saga. Um, I don't know some of the other lands, though. It's just like really plains and islands are like the biggest things that I know um, as far as the basic lands. But um, okay, interesting, interesting. Um, do you play draft a lot at all or anything? Or Not at all. I'm so bad at drafting. I, I have never won a draft ever. Wow. Like at a, at a store, like even cubing, I have never like gone undefeated in a draft. before. So ever. did you not really like Commander Legends? I loved Commander Legends, um, but I didn't really like the draft part of it. Oh, man, that, that, that was some. And, and that that's something that it, it's when I got back into magic back in um like when I got back in and haven't quit since then, because I've gone in and out when I was a kid and all that but as an adult i got back in at m13 like tail end of innistrad and i did nothing but draft it's like if i had to give up and only play one format of magic for the rest of my life it'd be draft like i i would rather play draft any time of the day than not i still love edh don't get me wrong it's fucking amazing but there's something about draft that i absolutely love I prefer sealed. So what we did mostly with Commander Legends is oh, we bought a whole bunch great. of boxes and we played eight pack sealed with mm-hmm. um, Commander Legends and it was very fun. Um, and I have done well in sealed like pre-releases and that kind of thing. Um, like I I did go undefeated. This is my claim to fame. Book this one in the Hall of Fame. Oh nice. I went undefeated at Kaladesh pre-release sealed. Two out of Ooh, giant. nice. <laughs> nice hey hey um, i mean that's no small feat especially for you know it, it's yeah like it's, i don't mind the the deck building aspect of it but i'm very bad at one one thing that has absolutely totally screwed me from playing lots of commander is i find it really difficult to um i find it really difficult to assess cards uh, in the context of the draft environment that they're in and not in the context of every card in the history of magic. Yeah, that um, is definitely a tough one because the, the biggest thing with any kind of limited environment is knowing all the cards in that set and knowing yep. possibly what your opponents can and can't do. Even it, doing it, deck building. Like when I'm when I'm drafting, I'm like I look at a five mana instant speed unconditional like removal spell and I'm like, this card sucks. Oh, that's and really good. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's like, it's like the backbone of draft decks, right? Yeah, like, you want that card. So I don't have that like reaction when I'm drafting. I don't want that card. I want the cool commander cards when I'm drafting. You know? And oh so well, well that, that, that that's where cube is like tons of fun because yes. especially when you get some really fun cube environments where you know the five mana removal may be really good, but this splashy card that does X Y Z is really fun too. Yeah, and a lot of those cards I'm more familiar with too, because they're like like I, I know that like Flame Tongue Cavu is a great card. You know, I know yeah. that like Lingering Souls is a great card, you know? Because I I have some experience playing with them in eternal formats, mm-hmm. but I like it's really difficult for me to assess those like five mana instant speed unconditional removal spells. I look at that and my brain just says that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it is tough because um like you said, it, it's on, on paper it's bad like in any constructed format like standard or even modern that's bad but yep. draft that's premium man that's 
premium, yeah, I feel like I would need card. to I would need to unlearn so many things that I know that like I think make me like a pretty good player in other formats. I would need to spend hours and hours and hours listening to like limited resources to unlearn that kind of stuff and learn like proper draft oh, card assessment. I, I, I used to be obsessed with that podcast, especially all their set reviews. Um, because like I said, for the longest time, I I do nothing but play draft almost every weekend for for a, for like a few years there. Like we'd play EDH, like we would draft, like and then play EDH or EDH first then draft. Um, but dude. LSV and Marshall, I used to be obsessed yes, with their... Good. I have listened to them a oh, lot, man. but I, I just can't get my head around it. It's not not for me. <laughs> it's it's not for everybody. It's um, it, it's funny because I... Was it Monday? I just had MTG Nerd Girl on, uh, Brittany, oh, yeah. oh, and, she, and yeah. she's primarily just a limited player. And, and, mm-hmm. it's, and it's so interesting hearing her, like, she, she's like, I, I, I don't like constructed formats. Like, she plays them and all that stuff, but she's like, I'm draft all day every day can't get can't get away from me <laughs> and she's i'm like probably the exact opposite of what i yeah. just said about like assessing cards she's probably thinking like oh man i really want to put this five mana <laughs> and she's like sword. really it's fucking good at magic my deck. oh yeah and like don't get me wrong most of these people are i, I yeah. have so much admiration and respect for the people that can figure this stuff out it's just it's not me not my not the way my brain is wired no, no i i tried to be a competitive player at one point i was like nope can't do it it, it made me mm-hmm. start hating magic because it's just yeah it was like such a chore after mm-hmm. a while but all right, man. So uh, to wrap things up here, um, do you want to? So this episode is actually going to be coming out um, July 9th. Yeah, because hold on. I, that, that, yeah, July 9th. So anything you want to shout out or tease in the meantime as we wrap yeah, it up here? I think, I think by now, right around right now, I will be releasing an episode of Spike in the Mic that I actually referred to earlier in this podcast. I recorded it earlier this week. It's like June 23rd right now. Um, it's with Sheldon Mennery and Glenn Jones. We're talking about uh, Glenn Jones being the uh, lead uh, commander game designer for mm-hmm. Wizards of the Coast. Um, and we are talking about the rules committee's role and the band, or the, uh, the R&D's role in influencing player behavior and uh, what we can maybe do um, to like either through card design or through the design of rules in the ban list to uh, like change player behaviors that we don't want to encourage like things like opportunistic tendencies and things like that like um, like then the negative stuff that everybody agrees that's negative not the like we don't want people to play stacks but the like yeah people being generally uh, like argumentative or antisocial and stuff like that can you fix that by motivating people through designing the format or designing the cards that make up the format so it's a really interesting discussion um i'm just editing it right now it's probably going to be out around the same time as this podcast that's on my channel over at the spike feeders awesome i am following you on spotify so i can see it pop Uh up because i'm super into spotify now it's i listen to it all the time (laughs) um all right awesome so i'll look forward to that because i'm I'm interested in hearing that stuff because it's it's like when I had Gavin on the podcast, just he freaking blew my mind with just how they even still Gavin's coming, brilliant. yeah, still coming out with magic cards this far into yep. the product's lifespan. It's like Gavin is brilliant and so creative, and like yeah. 
you can you can see and i mean you've you've interviewed him i i met him in person like briefly at gp vegas 2019 and you can see the man's passion about the game from oh, space yeah. like it is immediately evident to you can see it across the room when you when you like walk in the same room as him yeah you know? oh yeah for sure so all right awesome um is there anything else no, that's about it. We're okay. um, going to be doing a lot more Spec on the Mic content. Hopefully, the health orders open up soon and we can start recording some in-person gameplay. That might be yeah. a little later than this gets released, but fingers crossed. Awesome. Yeah, hopefully. it's um, And my, my wife and I have been trying to get to Canada. Well, we were going to go to Canada last year, um, more by Niagara Falls and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully, because the borders are still friggin' yeah, closed. Yeah, the borders are still closed. Yep. Yeah. But um, all right. Well, thank you again for coming on and taking time out of your day to you know, chat with me about EDH and hell of a lot about Zelda, which yeah. is one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on EDH. Eh, forget it. Zelda, though. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Look, I'm way more I'm way more excited about Breath of the Wild 2 than I am about any magic set. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> it's I'm excited about it, but I'm I'm not like, oh, my God, I can't wait to play it because I'll be excited when they announce a release date. Like th- that's when I know I'll just be like, oh my god, can't wait now. Yeah. But for now, I'm just like, <laughs> I was like, believe it when I see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I was so surprised they even showed video, a little bit of video of it. Yeah, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> but mm-hmm. all right, man. Yeah. All right, man. Well, yeah. thank you again for coming on. I hope you have a good night. Thanks for having me on, and I hope you do too. All right, thank you. Hey everybody, thank you all for watching and listening to the interview. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did interviewing it. Yes, I'm still holding the Master Sword here because it's so badass and awesome. Like, seriously, look at some of the inscriptions here. Like, like just, th- this is all leather here. Like, the, the scabbard is all leather. Um, this is all leather up here. Um, I don't know if the sword itself was like... I, I don't know how they made the sword or anything like that. I, I gotta look into... I gotta get my wife to tell me like who she bought the the sword from because I fucking love this thing. It's so fucking amazing. Um, but yeah, so I hope you all enjoyed the episode. I really enjoyed having Jim on. We could have gone longer as as most of these episodes do, but I hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, definitely let me know what you thought and felt and feel. Tell me what you feel about the episode. Yes, and how and what you thought about it. Let me know. Um, thank you all for listening and watching as always, you were the best and I hope you all have a great night.